0: Grace Church. Building relationships that make followers of Jesus know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. Thank you, Mr. Joe, and everybody else who participated this morning in worship here at Villa's Grace Church. We are in the final Sunday of our series. Does the Bible really say? Because let's face it, there are many things that we think that the Bible says, expressions, phrases, that we think actually come from the Bible. But then upon further investigation, we realize, hmm, maybe the Bible doesn't actually say. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful to gather together this morning. I just pray that we can continue throughout the rest of our week, this week, learn to seek opportunities to worship you, to praise you, to even pause and reflect upon you. Allow this word to penetrate us, Lord, to a point to where it causes us to move into action, to put your word, your truth into motion. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I think it's safe to say for some of us, our very first childhood experience began in Sunday school now, didn't it? Our first church experience came maybe when we were young and our, cho- our parents brought us as children to church, and one of the first songs that we ever learned in Sunday school was right here. Yes, Jesus loves me. You guys remember the tune? You have the lyrics on the screen. I don't know if you're expecting me to sing this solo. Not gonna happen. For the little ones, he is Loud and proud. Yes, Jesus, Jesus loves lo- Loud and proud. Come on. Yes, Jesus, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me, me so. Thank you for bailing me out. Congratulations on that one. But I think it's safe to say that all of us know this song by heart. These are some of the lyrics that we remember first and foremost from going to Sunday school. And it is so true. Yes. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves us. But do you know what else the Bible tells me so? Keep this in mind throughout this whole sermon this morning. Do not forget this song and the truth. Even with Mike this morning talking about talking about learning deeper theological truths, as you learn any deeper theological truth, never forget the fact that God first so loved the world. We love because God first loved us. But do you know what else the Bible tells me so other than Jesus loves me? See, the Bible also tells me that God hates evildoers. That his soul Hates the wicked and the ones who love violence. That His wrath is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. Yet we know that He still does love us now, don't we? Because the Bible tells me so. Because the Bible is in fact His truth. The Bible tells me whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. The Bible tells me that we've been, as it says in Scripture, justified by His blood. In that we are, as according to the Bible, saved by him from the wrath of God. Church, we have a problem. We have a problem. See, too often we mistake some things. We mistake our thinking. We think that God is all love and absolutely no wrath. We forget that God is both love and wrath. And this brings us to the title of our sermon this morning. Does the Bible really say, love the sinner, hate the sin? Does the Bible really say, love the sinner, hate the sin? the sin. We're going to be in various verses this morning from the Bible. We're going to be looking at five verses in fact, but the main verses would be Psalm 5.5 and Romans 5.9. Last week in Pastor Jared's sermon, Does the Bible Really Say Moderation in All Things? In that sermon, we were encouraged in the notion that moderation in all things does not lead to a holy life. However, worshiping the moral law giver, a.k.a. God, does. Today we're going to break down the the misconceptions pertaining to love, hate, and God's wrath. We're going to observe our stance before God, before He intervened our sinfulness. And He did this in order for us to have a relationship with him and I think that is the most important thing that we can take away this morning. God did what he did in order to have a relationship with us so Let's get into our text where we'll be looking at these verses this morning Psalm 5:5, Psalm 115, Romans 1:18, John 3:36, and then we're going to be ending this morning with Romans 5:9. All verses will be on your screen. So let's look at these verses now as we get into our text this morning, starting with Psalm 5:5. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate evildoers. The Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Amen. As we look at these five verses this morning, it's important for us to put them into one simple sentence to understand, and that becomes our main idea. So our main idea this morning is this, and it states, God hates sin because he loves his righteous. God hates sin because he loves his righteous. Now, I want to add this one caveat here because I think we need to understand this. When it says His righteous, we're not talking about God hating sin because He loves His own righteousness, though He does. What we're saying here is this. God hates sin because He loves those who have a saving faith in Jesus. See, you are righteous in and of yourself because of the work of Jesus So you're righteous because of your faith in Jesus, so God sees you as being righteous because if you have faith in Jesus and His work and not your own work, God sees you as He would see Jesus. He sees you as the completed version of who you are, whereas we see ourselves with where we are currently. So when you see that, His righteous, that pertains to us, anyone who has a saving faith in Jesus. Now, let's face it, this individual right here is a little bit too cute to lose his cool. Have you ever lost your temper? Have you ever yourself personally come unglued? Husbands and wives, have you ever been in an argument? Have you ever said something that you really didn't mean? Church, allow me to ask this question. Is it possible for you to lose your temper and still not sin? Human anger and rage is fueled by sin. Let's face it. We know human. That's what we know. And since we know human, we sometimes forget God and the fact that God cannot be judged by the same human standards. See, God's wrath is not erratic. His wrath is not irrational because His wrath is the only response that a holy God can have towards evil. God can be holy and then not be angry towards sin and evil. See, His holiness cannot tolerate unholy. Holiness. Keep that in mind as we observe Psalm 5.5, Psalm 11.5, and Romans 1.18. Psalm 5.5 is going to be on the screen here for you, but quite clearly it starts off by saying, the boastful shall not stand before your eyes. See, really what this is saying is that the proud cannot be in God's presence. After all, pride falsely asserts Equality. Equality, that is, with God. And in our pride, that is exactly what we try to do on our own. Let's not forget about Ezekiel 28.17. and This is not going to be on the screen, but let me read this account. And this account has everything to do with our adversary, a.k.a. the prince of the power of the air, a.k.a. Satan. Ezekiel 28.17 says this, your heart became proud because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I exposed you before kings so that, so that they may feast their eyes on you. God has zero tolerance for sin. Zero tolerance to the point that he cannot be in the presence of sin, which is why the psalmist here at the end of verse 5 makes the point about God that he says, you hate evil doers. Church, do not get this twisted. God hates sin. And God has... And will destroy sin. Psalm 11.5 states, The Lord tests the righteous, but His soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. Now, the Lord tests the righteous because He is judge. So let's ask the question, Who's righteous? Are you righteous? Am I righteous? Are we righteous? Some of you are shaking your head, but you shouldn't be. You should not be shaking your head unless that is you don't have faith in Jesus. See anyone with faith in the work of Jesus for their own sinfulness are the ones who are actually righteous. We are righteous due to the righteous blood of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, do you not see the distinction that we're seeing here this morning? God loves his righteous by the blood of Jesus, but hates those who reject him due to their pride, just like our adversary who was cast out of heaven. Church, I only think it's fair that we make this observation. God's hatred of evildoers, as it says here in the text, the fact that his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence, we need to understand, cannot be judged by us who are only human, who only know human. And that's what we try to do. That's why we say love the sinner, hate the sin, because we only know human. When God says these things in the text, He is not losing His temper. He's not like our little boy with the smoke coming out of His ears. He's not coming unglued. He is acting in the one response appropriate for a holy God, and that's to exhaust His wrath upon sin. Church, this is precisely what He did to Himself upon the cross. For God so loved the world that He left heaven, took on human form, went to the cross, and exhausted His wrath, which means He had nothing left to punish Himself with. He who knew no sin became sin. Jesus became our sin, and God punished Jesus for all of our sinfulness. And because of your faith in that true statement you are looked upon as being righteous so I have no problem saying that God hates sin because I know that he loves his righteous and if you have faith in Jesus you are righteous but think about what we're saying when we say love the sin or hate the sin are we condoning sinful behavior? Are we saying, well, God's love trumps his holiness? No. God's love trumps his wrath? No. God can only love because he's first and foremost holy. So now as we observe Romans 118 again, we observe the notion that it says the wrath of God. See, it's there in the text again. I think it's important that we remember something. You know, that thing that we just started off with, that old Sunday school song? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong, they are weak, but He is what? Yell out loud. He is? And then tell me, yes? Allow me to share what Charles Spurgeon, a.k.a. the Prince of Preachers, had to say. I think this is important. He said this. I'm going to read this quote directly. He says, I am certain that to preach the wrath of God with a hard heart, a cold lip, and a tearless eye, and an unfeeling spirit is to harden men, not benefit them. Church, we all deserve God's wrath. We're all ungodly. We're all unrighteous. We've all suppressed the truth. We're unworthy of His grace. We're unworthy of His mercy. We're unworthy of His love. But yes, yet yes, Jesus loves me. God hates ungodliness. God hates unrighteousness. God hates sin so much that He left heaven and went to the cross for Us, which is why Paul writes this. He says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. From heaven he came, and to the cross he went. And this brings us to our first point this morning. Our faith in God's wrath is what makes us righteous. Our faith in God's wrath makes us righteous. If you know that your sin was nailed to the cross and God punished Himself as Jesus in human form for your sins, if you trust in the work of Jesus and not the work of yourself, then you are looked upon in the eyes of the Lord as being righteous. Again, our main idea this morning states that God hates sin because he loves his righteous. And and again, his righteous are, are those who have a saving faith in Jesus. If your faith is in Jesus, you have the righteousness of Christ. He has given you his righteousness because our righteousness, quite simply, is no good. From the day of our birth, we all represent this young boy on the left. Accusingly pointing the finger at the boy on the right. See, the boy on the right actually would represent God. Church, we inherited this behavior from Adam. Oh, it's the woman's fault. You gave me the woman. You guys remember in Genesis? Adam blames Eve, but really blames God because God was the one that gave him Eve, and that's the only reason why Adam was deceived, no? No. See, if God provided for us an opportunity for us to accept his love, even while we, even actually as we saw him have a hatred of our sin. Let me say that again. If God provided an opportunity for us to accept his love, even while he had a hatred of our sin, then think about how wonderful, how marvelous He actually must love us. That's amazing. Even in the midst of our sin, He still loved us. As His children that we now become because of our faith in Jesus, that we have in His work, in His work alone, because after all, as we see and we've heard already this morning, we have been saved by Him from the wrath of God. And that is important for us to remember as we move forward. We have been saved by him, by Jesus, from the wrath of God. And we see exactly this in John 3.36 and Romans 5.9. And quite clearly from John 3.36 we are left with a choice. The choice that we're left with in John 3.36 is probably one of the most important decisions that we'll ever make in life. See, John 3.36 tells us we must choose between eternal life and eternal wrath. Now, as these verses should be on your screen, you can see this. That choice. That choice between eternal life and eternal wrath. Can you see it? See, we can either choose to blame God and rebel. We can be that little boy blaming God and rebelling, or we can repent and believe in the work of Jesus. Either choice has an eternal consequence. God has given us the option. Either we take responsibility for our actions and forever live in harmony with the Lord, or deny His sacrifice and forever live underneath His wrath. So, What does it mean, then, to obey the Son, as it says? What does it mean? Quite simply, it means to believe. Or or better yet, and as it says here, it doesn't say believe now, does it? No, it says believes. Brothers and sisters, to believe simply means that you believe. However, believes means something much greater. See, believes indicates that our faith in Jesus is active. It means that it is present, current day. It means that it is in the moment. It means we're living out our faith. We're living out our obedience. Now, apply that to our righteousness. And how we are, in fact, righteous because of His wrath upon sin. Now, ponder, does the Bible really say love the sinner, hate the sin? Think about that again. Church, in order to love and be loved, one must first be obedient to the relationship that they're in. Therefore, there is no obedience if there is no relationship. So how can God love someone he is not in a relationship with? Is that possible? So as Joe joins me up here, and we close out this morning, once more I'd like to just read Romans 5, 9 again. God's Word states that, "...since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved." By Him from the wrath of God. See, at this point, I'd like to repeat myself from earlier. See, if God provided for us an opportunity for us to accept His love, even while He had a hatred for our sin, then seriously, think about how wonderful, how marvelous He must in fact truly love us as his children now that we have faith in the work of Jesus we know that this is possible because the only way that this righteousness can be given to us is if we have faith in what God has done through Jesus church do you know what verse 9 is telling us then as we look at at this verse this morning do you see what verse 9 is truly saying to us Something that I think we never think about, or if we have thought about, sometimes we get this wrong. But see, God did not save us from ourselves. In fact, God did not even save us from our adversary, a.k.a. the prince of the power of the air, a.k.a. Satan. No, God did not save us from ourselves. He did not save us from Satan. had four young gentlemen in my office yesterday after this yard sale that we had and I asked them that question who did God save you from and they all chimed in and said God saved us from Satan No, no 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 because here's the thing Jesus defeated Satan on the cross why would God have to save us from somebody he defeated on his own See, this is where the church gets this confused because too often we don't realize that God actually did in fact save us from Him. God saved us from Him. God saved us from His wrath. The wrath that He placed upon Jesus, the wrath that He exhausted upon Jesus was truly destined for us, the sinner. But our faith in the work of Jesus placed the wrath of God on Christ and not on us. So the decision is easy. The decision is easy. Who wouldn't want to be absorbed in God's grace? The gift of faith that leads to eternal salvation. Grace that is overflowing with abundant love and mercy. And this brings us to our second and final point. Our second point states this. God's love has saved us from His eternal wrath. God's love has saved us from His eternal wrath. Again, our main idea this morning stated, or our our first point stated, our faith in God's wrath is what makes us righteous. Our faith in God's wrath makes us righteous. And finally, our main idea this morning. God hates sin because he loves his righteous. God hates sin because he loves those who have a saving faith in Jesus. Now think about that, church. Think about that. What are you doing? What are we doing together as a team? Are we moving forward together as a team to share that message with others so others can come to a saving faith in Jesus and be looked upon as being righteous themselves? That's the prayer for Villas. That's our prayer. We do this together. We work together to share Christ so others can be righteous as well. Lord, help us do precisely this. This is our desire. To be a body of believers that share our faith in you with others so others can be seen as being righteous in your eyes because of the work of Jesus. It's all about Christ. It has nothing to do with us. Convict us if we are living a life in such a way where we think that our salvation is contingent upon us and our work. Convict us, Lord, if we take our eyes off of you Help us be in fellowship together to hold one another accountable. We pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.